This is Sonny Smith, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 698. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. The Auburn crowd can smell it. They can taste it. They can almost see Minneapolis. I'm not even hungry, and I can taste it. The Auburn Tigers, for the first time ever, are going to the Final Four. Palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois and Eastern Virginia. It is the AU Wishbone Podcast. John, how are you tonight, sir? Very well. How are you doing, man? I am Van Allen Plexico and joined as always by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. John, it's the heart of basketball season and it's not the happy place. Sometimes the heart is a place of darkness, man. The heart of darkness. And that's <laughs> where is. we are right now with bas- with all the basketball. Well done. Every now and then, John just pulls one out. Please clap. And I'm just like, dang, that was profound. Yeah, we need uh, Martin Sheen to go up the river and look for the uh, Colonel Kurtz. Kurtz. Yes, right. Extreme prejudice. Um, yeah, it's 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 been a bad basketball week. Now, we've got a little bit of football stuff to talk about, too, coming up. A um, couple of things in a little bit. But we have to start with what is current in Auburn sports, and that unfortunately is not a good time for Auburn basketball. And the thing that's so gut-wrenching about it is they're not getting blown out. Well, I'm glad they're not getting blown out, but they're playing competitively in every game. They've yes. been in every game, and it and they've played really good defense for the most part in every game, and it's just that lack that last little lack of firepower when they need it. They, they, you know, the, the thing that, um, that Jabari Smith could give them last year, sometimes the thing that Bryce Brown could give them or Jared Harper could give them the thing that Samir Dowdy could give them just that little boost, somebody that could find a way to score. And Wendell green has been the closest thing we've really had to that late. I would argue that Jalen Williams has been early and Wendell has been late. Jalen's been like the opening pitcher and Wendell's tried to be the closer. And sometimes it works and sometimes it's, it's just not enough to quote Barry white. It's just not enough. It's not. And that's fair. It's for the team as a whole. It's not enough. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they play, like you said, we're playing really, really high-level teams so close to the very end of the game and then we fall just a bit short uh, at the finish line. Just heartbreakingly short. And it's tough because it keeps happening, right? Yeah. yeah. Once would be tough by itself, but when it happens several times in a row, you're kind of getting mm-hmm. you know, continually punched and it's not pleasant. Well, I mean, two weeks ago, we were an absolute lock for a decent seed in the NCAA tournament. And now we really have to win all our winnable games and maybe do a little something extra to just be absolutely sure we're okay because our record right now is about the same as some teams that aren't really projected to get in the tournament. Like Kentucky, when Kentucky lost to Georgia this past weekend, uh, people were saying that was taking them out of the tournament. And um, they have about the same record that we do now, or almost the same, within a game. We were tied. We were tied for second in the SEC a week and a half ago, and now we're like in fourth or fifth. And so, I mean, I, I think that each game we've lost, we've known was very losable. I just don't think we expected to lose all of them. But we, except for that Georgia game, we pretty much have. You know, we're yeah, we're three, really three in a row and five of six. We are really hurting for a uh, for a Ole Miss. We need we need some. Uh, we've been chewing on the tough cartilage <laughs> and gristle for a while now. We need some white meat. Need some soft, easy chewing. We need that original recipe from the Colonel. And old in Oxford would be good. But um, but we've got um, Missouri coming up, who actually just passed us. That was the thing is that Missouri, just in the last couple of games, Missouri has surpassed Auburn. They're in like third now, and we're in fourth. 
and so they actually, you know, are, are, are ahead of us now, which is kind of amazing. And we've got uh, Vanderbilt, at least, but that's a road game. You can't count on that either. So it's tough. I mean, there's no guarantees the rest of the way. No, no, they're not. Missouri is tied with us at, for fourth, but they're ahead of us in the tiebreaker because of overall record. Um, oh. But they, uh, you're right, there are no easy games. There's a lot of must-win kind of games coming up. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. So we had um, we were back at Texas A&M again. That game feels like it was 100 years ago. I can't believe we haven't talked since that A&M game. I can't believe it. Uh-huh. I mean, this is the one where A&M got all the free throws. Yes. And we kind of faded out. And it gets confusing because at the Alabama game a couple of days later, we had all the free throws. That was what was keeping us in the game most of the way. We, we led. This is the thing that was so weird about the Alabama game. We led almost the entire game. I think they took the lead by one point in the first half, and we immediately took it back and led the entire game until almost the end. And they had a way better shooting percentage than us. They had a lot more points in the paint than us the whole game. But we shot way more free throws than them and were making them. Uh, but in the last few minutes, they just started going, pounding it down inside, and we, we, couldn't, uh, we, we couldn't stop them. In fact, I think it was the A&M game, wasn't it, that, that Broom fouled out? Yes. Both games, Broom had foul trouble, and it mattered, right? He, yeah. um, and, and the A&M game, you were right, was the game where we shot 14 free throws total, and they shot 39. Right. Um, and that was really the difference because when they're doing that, A, they're getting free throws, but that means there's a lot of fouls on a lot of our guys. Mm-hmm. And they're having to, you know, once Broom went out, they had a lot easier time inside. And at the end of the game, that was it. It does once again feel like we get to mid-February coming up on March and our opponents have figured us out. It felt like it happened last year just around the time the tournament was starting maybe a little bit before the SEC tournament. Uh, really, when we went to Arkansas was when it all kind of fell apart in Tennessee. Um, and now it feels that way again. It feels like they know now to just go at us, go right at the right up the lane, pound away. They're not going to get charged for – they're not going to get called for charging every time, and they're going to pile up fouls on our two centers, one that we like to play 75% of the time, the other we like to play 25% of the time. And once you get those guys out, and I mean, uh, Broom fouled out. I think I think Cardwell was close to fouling out in the A and M game too. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then Broom, we would have really been Broom, in trouble. And Broom picked up two early ticky tack kind of fouls against Alabama, and I think yeah. that made him a lot less aggressive on defense because yeah. he was worried about it for sure. And he had to be. He was mad. You could tell because you could tell it was something that they'd probably talked about before the game, you know, in practice and in game planning. Everything is try not to get a bunch of fouls, especially early. And he immediately goes out there and gets a couple of fouls, and he was not happy. And I don't blame him a bit. So um, we and the and the big bugaboo that keeps coming back to haunt us is that magical lid on the rim thing. I don't understand it. I don't understand how we can get so many. It's not even like we miss a 10-foot jumper. It's that our guys are standing right under the goal and throw the ball up there, and it rolls around and rolls off. Or we shoot a three-pointer, and it goes in the goal and then does some magical 180-degree turn and comes back out. We keep seeing this. It's not, you know, when it happens once, it's a fluke. When it happens over and over and over, I start to wonder, you know, if if Neville Arena is built on a Na- Native American burial ground or something, I mean, I'm I'm really starting to wonder what's going on. No, it's it's the truth. We I told you before in the West Virginia game about this shot quality data thing. Yes, and and it's the same thing in the Alabama game where if you just looked at the shots the two teams took mm-hmm. and played the game again, Auburn would win, mm-hmm. and Alabama actually got you know, shot way better than they should have and Auburn shot worse than they should have based on who is shooting and where on the floor and all that kind of stuff. And so it, it, you know, if you just plugged in the shot location data and stuff for the game, it projects Auburn to win. And it's because of what you're talking about that we, we have players taking good shots. They don't go in, but they're not bad shots. We got a lot of guys, you know, 
close to the basket taking shots and they're not rolling in. They're rolling off the rim. Yeah, over and over. Um, yes. I mean, that guy's com- taking wide open three pointers. I mean, it just, I keep thinking, you know, okay, so bad luck. Okay, more bad luck. Okay, that's a lot of bad luck. Okay, how are we having this much bad luck? Okay, how in the world can this keep happening? And after like the seventh or eighth time in each game, I'm just pulling my hair out going, I don't understand how, again, a couple of times, sure, that happens. But it happens so often. And and I mean, uh, I, I just, I don't know. But I, I, you, I mean, I said last time, maybe we were peaking at the right time. And we are playing pretty well. And I mean, we did lead Alabama most of the game. You're 100% right that your observation that we're playing well. I think the game, you know, especially compared to how we played early in the year, the games against like Tennessee and Alabama, this team played at a very high level. Yeah. And, you know, there's a there's another advanced stats website that does uh, like a game score thing, and it looks at uh, – you know, how well you played at an absolute level. And Auburn in these games is playing like at a 90, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of the early season games we were playing like in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So w- this team is playing really, really well, but it's just it, it's th- how well you play, but it's also kind of what's the ceiling of the team? How much talent do you have and how well could you mm-hmm. possibly play? Right. And I, I don't know if that's that much higher. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? I, yeah. No, I think that, the ceiling of this team is exactly what they're doing now, and more shots go down. Yes. And against it. Georgia, the shots were going down. Now, you might say, well, Georgia just can't play defense as well as the other teams. But as you pointed out a minute ago, it's not just when we're being defended that we're missing shots. We're missing shots in situations where the other team is not even really a factor. And they were going down against Georgia and I really thought that meant we were turning a corner with that. And now with the last two games, we're just right back to having physics and nature rebelling against us. I, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. Um, well, let's see. What, uh, what have we not? Yeah, this Alabama team, they still are undefeated in, in league play. Yeah. No, I mean, we could say a lot of terrible things about Alabama, but this particular Alabama basketball team is very, very good. They're very yeah. talented. They have a lot of good shooters. They play a fun style to play. And Auburn did a great defensive job against them. I think you may watch that game and think, oh, they got too many layups and dunks or whatever, but they shoot more three-pointers than anybody in the country and make maybe more three-pointers than anybody in the country. And we took that away from them completely. Yes. In that game. They had to go downtown. And yeah, I mean down into they the had to go to the they had to go to the rim and they got a lot of easy shots there. But the alternative is let them pour it on from outside and then you're in a situation where you're playing like the you know, the Auburn Final Four team and it would no matter doesn't matter what you do, they could score fifteen mm-hmm. points in a minute. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, and it's another frustrating thing to me is that when we played Tennessee, I said, well, we played Tennessee on the road really, really, really tough. And they're like the, a top five team. Yeah. And okay. then what do they do? They turn around and lose to the next two teams we're about to play. Yes. So <laughs> if those two teams could beat them, why couldn't we? Because the shots don't go down. I mean, I, oh. especially at the end of the game. And I, yeah. I, yeah, this team has a lot of depth. I want to throw this at you, but I, I think. One of the things that's happening is I feel like our starters, our star players are tired at the end of games. Like they expend so much energy scrapping along the defense yeah. throughout the game just to keep us in the game that I think at the end they don't have energy to, to create good shots. Well, let's bear in mind that, and we've talked about this before, and I think our regular listeners know this. Our regular listeners are very smart, uh, savvy on, on this stuff. Um, I'm not. I'm not exactly as sure about how general Auburn Twitter is about it. Um, but um, there's a. I, I had a note. Auburn fans need to chill out because there are a lot of bad basketball takes on social media the last few days. And they need to chill out. But but where I was going with that was um, bear in mind that this Auburn team was supposed to be a different team and it's not the team it was designed to be because of 
certain players, multiple players, not really being able to contribute or not contributing what they were expected to contribute. And what's ended up happening is we've had to basically take last year's team minus its two superstars and try to glue and, and add, you know, add one or two new guys and try to glue together a contender. And, you know, you take it's like I don't know if I've mentioned this before, right? It's like if you take the 2010 Auburn football team, you take Cam Newton and Nick Fairley out of it, and you try to go tw- you try to go 14 and 0 again. You're not, you know, with the the players you have left know how to win. They they can they can excel. They can yeah. exceed expectations. But without the two five star dudes that have gone off to the NFL, you're not going to have the same results again. You know, it's like the 2005 Auburn team. You know, we lose four first-round draft picks to the NFL, and we expect to come right back and play for the national championship in 2005. I'm like, there's no way. People are like, oh, we'll get them next year. I'm like, no, we won't. We're not even going to be in the national championship conversation next year because the players that took us there are gone. The ones that were with them know how to do stuff and can do better than expected and better than average, but they're not – going to make you undefeated they're not going to put you back in the lofty you know like a number one ranking or a number two seed in the ncaa tournament or anything like last year no that's not gonna so uh who have we got coming up next we got two more tough games coming up we got uh, missouri in neville arena tuesday evening at 7 p.m eastern on espn2 that would be tonight as most of you are listening right now yes and bruce Pearl today called this an absolute must-win game. He called oh, out Lord. the fans and the and oh, the Lord. and the students and said, "We need it. We need you to bring the A game Tuesday night." Well, because there's been a talk that it's Valentine's Day and people wouldn't show up, and so they've been pushing this ticket swap thing, where if you have tickets to the Missouri game and you know you can't come. You're able to sell them, swap them, give them to friends and family and stuff because they want every seat filled for this game. They have a little sure. slogan thing: "Every seat filled." And um, I, I, the thought that th- this was this was supposed to be our break in between tough stretches. <laughs> we looked at Missouri yeah. and Vanderbilt and said, "Well, we got that week at least. We got in the pocket in our pocket, right?" I don't know about that anymore because they just beat Tennessee. I didn't see this. They, they did. It was a buzzer beater. Ah, and Vanderbilt did too. So I can't imagine Vanderbilt beat Tennessee this year. So Tennessee must have, uh, what, three or four losses now, be plummeting down the uh, the standings. They already had – they weren't undefeated. So the Alabama's 12-0 in conference. A&M is 10-2. and Tennessee's 8-4 and now. Yeah, so only a game up on us in Missouri and Kentucky. I can't believe Kentucky's seven and five and got like four or five teams ahead of them in the conference. That's unbelievable. That really is unbelievable. Um, all right. Well, um, any other basketball news of note that we didn't get to? I mean, I in, in terms of going into that game, I want to talk for a second about how do you play Missouri? How do you play Vanderbilt? I Missouri has ex, has has surpassed my expectations this year. They have from the very beginning of the season. What do we know about them and how you go about attacking them? They're not big on the inside. This is another game we need Broom, Jalen Williams to have big games. They're yeah. undersized and they're tough inside, but they're they got they're smaller guys. We're gonna have a couple inches on them. We need to re- control the rebounds, and we need to, you know, make take it get Broom and Jalen Williams in good positions, get them the ball, and get them to score inside. Their guards are taller than ours. Missouri's guards and it's going to be a defensive challenge holding those guys oh, down. Jeez, I hate the taller guard thing. That's uh, that's been a plague all year, though. Yep, ninety percent of teams are going to be yeah. bigger than us, but when they're bigger and really talented, it's a problem. Yeah, especially when we're not making shots anyway. Wendell did have a couple of good shots in the Alabama game. Sure, just not enough. And at the end, we couldn't throw it in the broad side of the Pacific Ocean, which was really frustrating. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Vanderbilt, I don't really know much about either, other than don't they have like the one guy that's really good, or did he already leave? I can't, I can't remember. No, they had the guy Pippen last year who's finished, yeah. but at that and again, just, that game is Saturday night, eight thirty Eastern on SEC Network, so it's yeah. not Saturday afternoon; it's Saturday evening. So another 
we got to bring the crowd Saturday night, and that mm. could be a day game. But yeah, yeah, all right. Well, and then once those two are gone by, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I believe once they go by, we're back into the into the tough tough times. We got Alabama again. We got Tennessee again, right? Coming up at least. Oh yes, um, we got uh, again Missouri Tuesday, Vanderbilt Saturday. And then it's buckle your seatbelt time again. We yeah. get Ole Miss. We get that soft, okay. uh, mm-hmm. cushiony thing a week from Wednesday. Thank and goodness. then it's uh, Kentucky and Lexington, oh. Alabama and Tuscaloosa, and oh. Tennessee at home to finish All the right. season. All right. <sighs> so this three-game stretch, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Huge. got to win games now. Huge. Must, Must wins. Yeah, we've, we've got to have these. you got to win your home games. And especially against teams, but again, Missouri's what? 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 Where? Um, well, Texas A and M is in second place. Missouri's tied with us, right? So, yeah, we can we can do it, but and, and we really need to. We're going to need it. All right. Um, in football news, a couple of things. One is now I've heard contrasting uh, and contradictory word about this that um, Oklahoma and Texas were supposed to join the SEC starting with the fall of 2025, but then I heard that they were negotiating a way for um, for them to leave for the SEC in 2024 if they paid, was it $100 million? Or forfeit $100 million of revenue, yes, basically. So I, they're and, doing it. They're coming. And I'm like, well, then I heard, well, no, now they're not. They're going to be there till 2025, so I'm not sure. I guess I believe the 2024 still. But, but um, you know, you think $100 million, good Lord. But my reaction to that was, well, you'd have to pay double that just to put two new cars in Formula One if they let you. So well, $100 million ain't what it used to be, John. No, and how much are SEC teams going to make per year on the new media deal? And what's the gap between that and what the Big 12 is making? So every year they stay, they're losing money, basically. Yeah. But $100 million, though? Is that that a combined amount or each? No, that gets a combined amount, and a lot of it has to do with, again, when they're leaving, the the TV networks that have the rights to the Big 12 games are losing something, right? Sure. Yeah, the two biggest they're draws. They're losing marquee games. So no doubt. Part of, part of that amount is Big 12 revenue that they're waving away, saying we give this up, right? Right. So that's the whatever gotcha. the 24 revenue. So it's future money they're to. not taking rather than present money they're handing over. I, I think it's a little both, but it's mostly the future money they're not taking. So they could have either started a Formula One team, half of one, or they could uh, join the SEC. Well, they're both yeah. money-making prospects right now. So. But the the big point here is that this coming year, 2023, is the last year in the existing structure. SEC divisions, four-team playoff, Texas, Oklahoma in the Big 12, Southern Cal, UCLA in the Pac-12. In 2024, a year from now, boom, Texas and Oklahoma join. <laughs> USC and UCLA join the Big Ten. New SEC schedule format, which is the thing we really care yes. about, yes. and 12-team playoff. So big, big, big changes in 2024. You have, we talked about this, you have got to have an expanded playoff when you do all this because a 16-team SEC is going to have really, really good teams that would not make the playoffs in a four-team yes. playoff. And, and you know, a, a, an Oklahoma team that would have gotten in the playoffs and won the Big 12 might be in third place in the S, in a 16-team SEC. They might go eight and four. Yeah, no doubt. So they've got to have another avenue because, as we've talked about many times, you know, in a 16-team SEC – there's a whole lot of teams that are not winning the SEC every year. See, that's the thing. And I don't know if I've ever made this entirely clear. I'm not going to go all the way down the rabbit hole again, but just very quickly. When you've got a 10-team SEC or even a 12-team SEC, one or two teams win the conference a lot. But five or six other teams have a shot. Four, five, six teams have a shot every few years. When you've got 16 teams in the SEC and – Eight of them, at least, are really good. You're going to be doing good to win the SEC once every 25 years if you're not yes. one of the top couple of powerhouses. You know, 
I mean, here, let me ask you this question. Oklahoma, starting in 2024, from 2024 through 2034 or whatever, 10 years, okay, the next 10 years once Oklahoma joins, how many times will they win the SEC? What do you think? Wild once. guess. Once? So once in 10 years. How many times in 10 years would Oklahoma win the Big 12? Yeah, yeah. So if Oklahoma wins it once and Alabama wins it three times and Georgia wins it three times, you now have three spots left for LSU, Texas, Auburn, Florida. You see what I'm saying? Tennessee. Tennessee? Mm -hmm. You've got three spots left, and if you plug LSU, LSU, Auburn, okay, well, I'm sorry, Florida. You don't win the SEC in a decade because of that. I'm sorry. We didn't even, we didn't even mention Texas A&M. <laughs> I'm sorry, Texas A&M. Well, they never have. I'm sorry, Texas. You don't win the SEC this decade. It's just you, you're making the odds of even a competitive team winning the conference so small that you've got to give them some other avenue to consider the season a success. And as we've said before, I think that's where the playoff, the 12-team playoff is going to come in. Yeah, you may have finished third in the SEC, but you're in the 12-team playoff. You have a chance to redeem your season and win the playoff, win the national championship, even finishing third in the SEC. And at least you can say, hey, you know, hang a banner in the stadium. We made the playoff this year. So, but it just it just boggles my mind how few opportunities each team is going to have to win the SEC when you have that many good teams in it. And and again, I'm not I'm not complaining. Oh, I wish it was easier in terms of competition. I'm saying I wish it was smaller in terms of number of competitors. I don't want the competition to be easier. I enjoy a challenge and winning and feeling like I really accomplished something when my team won. I just don't want it to be 20 to 30 years between those opportunities. And it's not just going to be us. It's going to be LSU. It's going to be Florida. It's going to be Tennessee. It's going to be Texas A&M. It's going to be Texas. It's going to be Oklahoma. If Alabama and Georgia keep winning it every year, there's going to be a whole lot of big-time programs that could win the Big 12, could win the Pac-12, could win the ACC, and they're in fourth place in the conference they're in now. So yep, No, you're 100% right. But that's why the standard of success that we evaluate yes. on has to be different mm -hmm. when you get to that place. It has to be. It absolutely has to be. Because if you say, oh, you're a failure if you haven't won the SEC in 10 years, yeah, you and Florida and LSU and Oklahoma, I mean, you know, you're going to be in good company. Probably. Probably. Yes. And you're going to have to be a freaking NFL team to win it, like Georgia has the last couple of years. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about the number of games and everything. So nine games, three permanent opponents, is that? And then rotate? It's not decided, decided, right? So, you know, the SEC has these spring meetings in Destin every year, and the goal is for them to be working through the schedule and announcing it around then. So I don't think it's going to be very long before we know. You know, right now we play eight conference games, if we add a ninth game mm -hmm. and we're adding Texas to Oklahoma, we're creating a lot of content Yes, for media providers. So this comes back to how much more would ESPN you know, pay us for that ninth game and with Texas and Oklahoma included, right? Right. So that's the negotiation that is going on right now. Mm -hmm. If it is enough, then it'll be the nine-game thing with three permanent opponents, and I think that's what most people think is going to happen. So when you go to a nine-game schedule, you're playing three out of conference, nine in conference, so you'd have three permanent. That puts you in a sort of the a semi-quasi-pod, right? You and three other teams that play every year. And then, although they differ from team to team, that's what's so that's weird. Right. And that's what was so hard for me to wrap my brain around is that my pod – is different from the pod of teams in my pod. That it doesn't sound like it makes any sense until you see it written down. That's why you shouldn't. I think probably shouldn't say pod. We should I know. Just say permanent opponents. Yeah, I know. But it just it harkens everybody back to something. Has, everybody has three permanent opponents, and then you'll play the rest of the conference home and away 
over a four-year period, basically. Yeah. You'll play every every single team home and away over a four-year period. That's which is so necessary. So you have six, and then you have six. So all right. So again, you got you, you got yourself and your three permanent opponents. That's four. Then you got six this year. That's ten. Six next year. And six the next year. That's sixteen. That's right. Right. And you do the home, and then you do the away. So every four years, you play in everybody. You, you will have played in everybody's arena, and everybody will have played in yours. That's right. That's and how can you not do that? It's. I mean. It's the way to do it, and I think it makes us a real conference instead yes. of this, you know, loose, you know, loosely associated group of teams we never play. We are definitely a loose association. We are a league of friendship, like the like the uh, <laughs> the Articles of Confederation before the Constitution. That's absolutely correct. That is absolutely correct. It's unbelievable to me. That, that the SEC could be, in your words, more of a conference with 16 teams than they have been with 14. But you're exactly right, because as I keep pointing out, Georgia has never played at Texas A&M in 11 years of SEC play. And Auburn has played at Missouri once in 11 years. Meanwhile, we've played Clemson 18 times, it seems like, and they're not even in the SEC. That's not a conference. You're not a conference if you're playing teams that aren't in the SEC more often by a factor of four than you're playing teams actually, allegedly, supposedly in your conference. If if Ken, if kids can go through a four-year period and never play that team, are they in your conference? Right. Right. And meanwhile, Georgia plays freaking Georgia Tech every year. Florida plays Florida State every year. Kentucky plays Louisville every year. Texas A&M is going to get to play Texas every year. And yet, well, they'll be in the conference now. But you know what I mean. There, there's teams that play the same team every year that's not in the SEC and yet don't play their own conference. That, that doesn't make any sense at all. You're in a conference, but you're not playing each other. Well, then wh- what – is it just you just want to have the patch on your jersey? I mean, share in the revenue distribution? I mean, you know, that's just bizarre. So I'm trying to think of a team we've played like once in the last 12 years at home or whatever away. That's that's They're equal to Missouri to us, basically. At least Florida. I mean, we, oh, God. sometimes we played at Florida. <sighs> yeah, we played Florida in 2019, and I think before that it was 2011, and before that it was 2007. Yes. And that was before we had 14 teams. That's right. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, all right. So we're, we like the nine conference opponents and the three permanent opponents. And uh, we got to see if ESPN will fork over some more cash to make it happen. Otherwise, they'll just say, well, then we'll just play eight. We have one permanent opponent. And then uh, how do you do that? You have one permanent opponent and the other fifth. And then there, so there's. That leaves 14 teams, so you play seven and then seven? All right. So we would no longer play Georgia every year. We would no longer play uh, anybody but Alabama every year, theoretically. Would Alabama have to give up Tennessee every year? Yes. Would they be willing to do that? Well, would they keep Tennessee and give us up? Well, see, that's the funny thing, right? <laughs> that's the funny thing. Everybody's always said, well, it's Auburn and Georgia that's the problem with all the conference thing, and, and really it's Alabama-Tennessee. Because Alabama likes to, um, where's my sound for this? Alabama. Dispel once and for all with this fiction. That Tennessee is their real rival, right? Alabama's like, well, it's, our, it's a rivalry. It's a rivalry now, Vin. It's back after a slight hiatus of my entire daughter's life. Thirty years. Yeah, or more. Yeah, both of them. Um, but yeah, they like to maintain this fiction that Tennessee is their big rival. And they know, they know, they know, they know that if they were, if a gun was held to their head, like the one that was held to their head when they almost got on death penalty, if a gun was held to their head, they'd pick us, right? But that would mean they'd have to admit. They'd have to admit it. And they don't want to admit it, so they don't want to be put in the position of having to choose. So they like to have Auburn and Tennessee as permanent opponents, so they don't have to admit what utter hypocritical liars they are. And so they're like, well, Tennessee's our big rival, but we don't want to stop playing either one. Okay, well, fine. But, I mean, and you know what? That, that raised another point with me. I have, I have a sneaking suspicion there's a fair number of Auburn fans that now consider Georgia our big rival. Well, for two reasons. One, because Georgia beat us, beats us more often than Alabama does lately. And that always 
increases the rivalry on the side that's losing. I know that. Um, it's the same reason that like Ole Miss thinks we're a rival and we're like, who? But, um, uh, but, but I think there's a proportion of Auburn fans that it, to some degree want Georgia to be our main rival so that we can tell Alabama you're not our main ri- rival, just like they tell us that we're not their main rival. It's Tennessee. Sure. And I don't agree with either one of them. I think they're both full of crap. We know who the real what the real deal is. But all right, anything else from the well? We oh, there's the Cohen thing. Um, did you see that our athletic director John Cohen was interviewed last week? I just have a couple of highlights from that I was going to mention. I did. So it was interesting. A lot of it was about how Hugh Freeze talked with his players at Liberty about some of the things that he had done in the past and owned up to it all. And Cohen said he really liked that. And he said that not many coaches are really willing to do that. He said he himself, he said, I, you know, I did some things when I was younger. And he said, when I was in my 30s, maybe 40s, he said, I was reluctant to talk to my players because, you know, he was like a baseball coach, right? He mm-hmm. said, I was, he said, I, I thought I wasn't going to talk about the things I've done. You know, I'm going to tell these men how to, these young men how to do, you know. And he's like, as you get older, you start to realize I have something valuable from my own experience that I shouldn't be afraid to share. And he said, that was what Freeze had done. At Liberty. So again, I know that a fair number of our listeners and a lot of Auburn fans are still struggling and not happy with Freeze and everything. And I totally 100% get that. I do. But if it all works out, I do like that Cohen felt like that was a, that could be a, that's a negative that could be made into a positive. And he wanted to use it to the best way it could be used, if that makes sense. Right? Use it as a lesson, not just for the coach, but for the young men. That he's coaching. Now, also interesting, Cohen said he interviewed 18 different coaches for our job. I didn't know that. I figured it was four or five at the most. Did you have any idea he talked to 18 different coaches? No. That's what he said. I'd love to know. I'd like to see the list. We're never going to get that. Oh, I'd love to see that list. And he said he used advanced analytical data from two different analytics firms to study all the coaching candidates and that Hugh Freeze, quote, was the highest ranked coach analytically on our board. That was a factor. It was not the factor, but statistically he was the highest ranked coach on our board, unquote. I'm not surprised, honestly. I'm not surprised. I thought um, that his what he'd done in the past would look good on a spreadsheet. You know what I mean? Something like that. No, it makes sense, and I appreciate that they attempted to bring in other things to use in the process. Yeah. I really am curious. I mean, I mean, I knew that there had been talk before that Cohen had like a list of like 40 questions, 40 things he would ask people and all that. And um, I'd love to see that list. I, we, he's t- talked about a handful of them before, but, but I'm also curious about that advanced analytical data. Of course, there are people that are way smarter than me when it comes to numbers and could make more sense out of it. But, uh, but that's something I would really, really like to uh, know more about. But like I say, I, like you say, I don't think we're probably going to, but I would like to know more. But yeah, highest ranked coach analytically on our board. That's interesting. So, all right. Any other football stuff that you have in mind before we move along? No, other than spring practice. Yeah, it's coming. Sneaking ever closer to us. It's coming. It's coming. All right. Well, I just got to point out that we don't have ads on this show. You get to hear me ranting and raving about the SEC having too many teams for free, but you don't have to for free. You can help us out. Help help your fellow listeners. Be part of the family. Go to www.auwishbone.com. www.auwishbone.com. There's a lot of cool stuff on that page. There's videos. There's audio things. There's a lot of cool stuff there. And there's also a big orange button. The big orange button. John, do you know what happens when you push the big orange button on auishbone.com? What happens, man? You become a patron, or at least you can. And we'd love to have you. Well, not you, because you're already part of the show. We'd love to have you out there in podcast land. That would be really cool. Why don't you go, again, not John, the rest of you, if you're not already, go to www.auishbone.com and sign up to become a patron. Because we're getting ready to do the big uh, NCAA tournament brackets that we do every year. And we've got the Formula One uh, Fantasy League coming up again, where once again we try to fend off those two guys that seem to be up there every year that are so good. And uh, in both leagues, fend off Boris the Tiger. And, of course, Boris. Yep. Don't want to lose to a stuffed animal. Doesn't, it's not a good no, look. I do not. 
Oh, Boris tweeted out some pictures from his trip to Auburn last spring. Uh, he has a little book that, that uh, Miss Amy made for him. It's really neat. Made a little book of all of his pictures, him and Weagle. Um, so go to his, uh, he's at, he's at Boris AU Tiger on Twitter. Um, all right, let's see. Um, before, uh, oh yeah, I got to thank the patrons. And so again, do what I just said, go to www.auhp.com. Here are the fine folks we currently have there and they can leave messages in their, uh, name line. So we, and, and audio requests. So they include Samuel Salvatore, Boris, the Tigers burner account, Carl Von Drucker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Ann Kangian, Bradley Blackman, Daniel Odom, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU fan at KSC, uh, Logan Chilton, Hey, there goes Tank Man! Matthew Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil Amthor, Master Sommelier level sponsor and paying for Adam Hill's grounds crew level sponsor, Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Cardins, uh, oh, <laughs> I, I, here's the first one where I have to, like, manufacture... A, a, a patron name out of sound clips. So we have uh, the yeah. night's forecast. A freeze is coming. And that's a really good one because it's saying thanks to Hugh Freeze, the transfer portal has really uh, been good to us. Transfer portal been very, very good to me. Um, basketball season plus the basketball book, a winning combination since 2022. I agree. Ben Bloodworth bleeds orange and blue. Welcome aboard, bleeds. So glad to have you. Uh, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Bobby Freeze has more O-line commitments in four weeks and heart than than potatoes had in two years. Um, oh, here's Mark with the insert random sound clip. I think this time I'm going to go with this one. There they are. Are they not a shame on their country? <laughs> yes, we are. Jacob and Robin Fleming. Uh, that was what that was what Benjamin Franklin said when some Alabama fans walked by. I don't know if I don't know if you realize that from history. But yeah, Benjamin Franklin was at the Constitutional Convention and some Bama fans in all the red with the banners and everything came by, and Franklin took one look at them and said, "There they are. Are they not a shame on their country?" Yes, amen, man. I agree, Ben. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh I was sent by this patron two not just one two videos of crowds of people saying this to help me pronounce it right and I don't want to say it but here we go Jeff Mraz rhymes with Schrodem collage I probably didn't even pronounce it right I'm sorry did my best I'll try again next week unfortunately two videos John Two instructional videos, and I still didn't get it right. We're good at many things. Pronunciation is not one of them. That's not. No, it's not. KD is not perfect either, but he always fights, says 76 Tiger Esquire, the official sleazy shyster of you know where. Jones, barbecue, foot, massage. That's right. Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton. I think the world is happy that I've, I've cut out the second half of that when I play it now. Uh, Lane Middleton, Logan, Mickey B. No one fights like Gaston. I will go rhythm and blues. Paul Miles, Reynolds Wolf, Rich Reimer, Rusty Owen, Sarah Brown, Steve Harlan, Theodore Geary, War Eagle Always, Warhammer 6, plus WDE Richie, it's you freeze time. Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Wynn Carroll, Winston Body, returning to everything school. I hope so. We got to get that straight this week. Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, the real Boris the Tiger. Brandon Smith, Carter Glouse, Colby Butler, Corey Smyer, David Simpson, Die Bama, Hugh Anderson, Hugo Sleaze's Guide to PR Firms, How to Convince Fans that This Time Will Be Totally Different Than Every Other Time. That's fair. We'll see. Josh Teal, Just Wait Till Next Year, Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous donors. Ah! Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch. I guess I don't have to say that now that I've already said it for Patrick. Uh, Shane, uh, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, the guy out back of... Jones Barbecue Foot Massage! Jones. Who is... Okay, who is... Uh, who is... Smoke weed every day. While eating leftover... Potatoes. In a... Tonight's forecast. A freeze is coming. Yeah, there's lots of uh, lots of stuff going on in that one. Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Weagle87. Oh, here it is, John. 
John, it's at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. I don't, I don't. I know that our Twitter followers know about this, but I ordered a bottle. I ordered a bottle of Mad Reaper Pepper Company Reaper Madness Pepper Sauce. And what happens now? Well, it supposedly contains seventy re, uh, Carolina Reapers, which are pretty potent. They're they're they are at the on hottest the scale on the on the Coville scale. A one being or a zero being a bell pepper, and a jalapeno being like a three, and I mean like a good jalapeno, not a stupid pickled jalapeno that has no flavor. These are five out of five, five alarm. Oh my gosh, in heaven, Lord, you help me. So the thinking goes, we do a live video episode one of these days, and um, we bust out the Mad Reaper pepper. And then. Uh... Emergency <laughs> services come and, and resuscitate John during the podcast. Well, we I don't, I, if you don't want that sauce, we need to figure out another sauce that you can get, and we can both be doing different sauces. No, no I'm, I'm let's we're I'm in. They're All right, our sponsor. I'm trying it. So I'm gonna order another bottle for you. All right, I'll make a note to order you a bottle, and when it comes. When we eat, both get it, we'll set it aside, and then we'll see what happens. Because I want to try it for the first time on the air. I don't want to try it and then be like, oh, you know. All right. Have the fire, fire extinguisher and uh, whatever else standing by. All right. They're getting they're getting a lot of bang for their buck, by the way. I, I, it was a very smart marketing decision by the Mad Reaper Pepper Company to uh, to throw a dollar at us a month to get all this, all this advertisement. Way to go, guys. Uh, but I did put my order in, so I'm looking forward to trying it. Uh, Alex Wynn, Ben Amos, Ben Regis, Brian Albanese, Charles Mooney, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane. I'm missing my category, Mr. Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Daniel Witten, Darren Pyle, and finally, Elizabeth Donald, Escort Hugh Freeze elsewhere. Uh, we uh, got to get better at celebrating. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht, Jeremiah Schumann, Jim McCrory, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, KD fights for all of us. I am Tiger, official feline of sound of the... Of the Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage. That's right. Uh, Katie Johnson stares at the refs and says... "You." <laughs> Katie Johnson stares at the refs and says... You have failed me for the last time. I think that's probably true. Uh, Kenneth Brent Rains, the the barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. AKA Auburn Dad for life. It's funny that two different people wanted to use that that one at the same time. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. Your love of the half things leaf has clearly slowed your mind. Paul Bankson, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Spanky. I'm at the bottom of this list because God Wilson. <laughs> But not for while you can, the monkey boy. That's right. That's a good good job by Spanky to uh, use two of my favorite uh, sound clips there. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson. Why are you booing Johnny's right and Brant Rumble, plus our one-time and anonymous donors. Ah! That's right. That, that was for Patrick. So go to www auwishbone.com John, I believe we have Hello Van, John, the rest of the AU Wishbone family This is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist here with Guess the Game number 79 Guess the Game 79 is brought to you by Ash R over on Twitter Let's take a listen to what Ash sent in 2.05 2.05 to go, and here's your ball game for Auburn. they got to make a first down to keep this drive going. They need the 45, and this crowd making some noise like, uh, I'll tell you what, I think this may be louder than Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge right now. Four wideouts, two left, two right. Fourth down and ten and a half. In motion from left to right. Showing blitz. Low snap, picks it up, looks, fires downfield, wide open, at the 35-30, there goes, there goes, all the way, and is he in, is he in, touchdown! 
All right, guys, I will see you in the hint file. All right. I think I know what this is, and if I'm right, it was not actually a touchdown. Do you have a? Do you have any ideas? No. Okay. Let's, okay. Let's start with the basics. The announcer was. Well, it was on the. It was recorded off the radio. I like how it went to a music station. <laughs> I was going to say that was some <laughs> choppy audio for. Yeah. That made it a little extra yeah. degree of difficulty. That's there. all right. That's all right. But it was uh, that sounded the like Auburn Radio Network. It was. That sounded like Rod to me. Rod Bramblett. Right. Which means that what time period? Uh, 2003 through 2019, I believe. I think okay. you Did it sound like a home game or an away game? Or 18, I mean. Um, they said this is as loud, louder than Tiger Stadium, and we had the ball. So away, right? Yes. Okay. So an away game where we threw a pass and a long pass. We Do needed. You think this is. We needed, we needed ten, to score. We needed ten and a half yards to get a first down, and they completed the pass to somebody that was wide open, and then they just kept going, kind of Ronnie Daniels kind of thing. Well, okay, so is this the play in Athens? I think it is in the end zone. I think it is in Athens, and I think it, your video froze, didn't it? I think it is in Athens. What what game are you thinking of? What year or what situation? I think it was. I'm thinking of the Obamanu Aromashudu game. It was oh five. Five. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. I think that's it. I, I think it's. I think it's Brandon Cox completes the pass to Oba, to uh, to Aromashudu, who goes down to the end zone and fumbles at the one right and. Courtney Taylor, I believe, jumped on it on the end zone, and they mm-hmm. first called it a yes. touchdown. But then they said, no, you can't advance a fumble into the end zone. They spotted it at the one, which turned out to be the best thing that could have happened because we then ran the clock down to like one second and kicked the field goal. Mm-hmm. And there was some degree of vindication for, um, for um, not uh, Vaughn, but yeah, for for John Vaughn because remember he'd missed all those field goals that would have beaten LSU, yeah, a couple exactly. of weeks earlier, and he beat Georgia. Yeah, all right, so let's I, go with it. I think so. I'm gonna see if I can unfreeze you. Hold on a second. Now I made John disappear. Are you there, John? I'm here, Van. Are you? Yeah, I just got a black screen for you now. You froze. Now you're just a black screen. Oh well, I don't need to look at you. And <laughs> we're almost done. All right, let's go to the hint file. Okay, fellas, we are here in the hint file. Let me get rid of some bleeps and give it a listen. 205 to go, and here's your ball game for Auburn. They gotta make a first down to keep this drive going. They need the 45, and this Georgia crowd making some noise like uh I'll tell you what, I think this may be louder than Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge right now. Four wideouts, two left, two right. Fourth down and ten and a half. Nick's in motion from left to right. Georgia showing blitz. Low snap. Cox picks it up. Looks. Fires downfield. Wide open. Aramashu at the 35-30. 25-20. There goes Devin. There goes Devin. All the way. Is he in? Is he in? Touchdown! There we have it. I will see you in the answer file. I love that that Aroma Shadu ran all the way over to a music station and and played some music for a second and then came running back over to the football stadium. <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah, that, I like I that. I love. I love that. Is he in? Is he in? And he thought he was, but then he wasn't. No, and and, and the um, I love. There goes Devin, which kind of teed yes. up. There yes. goes Davis a few years later. I did yeah. like there goes Devin. That was really good. Yeah, just 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 eight years later, he would be yelling, "There goes Davis!" All right, I feel pretty confident. You ready to go to the answer file? Let's go. Hello, Van John, the rest of the AU Wishbone Uh-oh. family. This is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, here with guest the game Uh-oh. number seventy-nine. Ah, I think that Jared sent us the uh, the same file twice. <laughs> I'm going to click on the initial again and make sure it's not backwards. Nope. 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 Okay. Well, I'm 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 like 117% confident that we got it right. Agree. So, again, when I click on the answer file, Jared, I know you're listening out there, and when I click on the answer file...
Hello, Van John. The rest. This is not user error on my part, <laughs> but these things happen. That's cool. Yeah. So. No, but we, again, Jared does a great job. We oh, seventy nine yeah. of these is a lot of work, and we appreciate <laughs> it. That was that was still a fun one. Absolutely. Well, I'm just glad that it happened on one that we feel pretty good about. Because if this one, I was going to say, if we didn't know, <laughs> oh, I'd be pulling my hair out. I'd be I'd be the texting him. I'd be texting him right now, Jared. We're on the air. <laughs> We need the answer to this immediately, but I think we know it. So, all right. Thank you very much, Jared. As as uh, once and always, as as always, um, and and send him suggestions. Uh, oh shoot, what is it at Yard Sale Art? Well, he's at Yard Sale Artist on, Artist on Twitter, at Yard Sale Artist, and um, I think it's Jared at the Yard Sale Artist. Yeah. Oh, see, I don't. I don't memorize it because he always says it. So, well, anyway, or you can send it to us and we'll forward. Well. You could send the link or something, <laughs> and we'll forward it somehow. Spoiler, leave spoiler space so that John doesn't peek. All right. Well, we'll get we'll get uh, we'll get back in with Jared next time. He's gonna be like, I know Jared. He's like he's like son of a. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move along here, because we got other fish to fry as we wrap up here. We've- Thank you. Order questions to the prime minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. All right, what's in the mailbox this week? All right, first emails from Justin Parker, who says, just a question for the next podcast. If all goes to plan and Freeze in his offense performs the way we all hope and he's going to develop QBs the way he has in the past, suppose Walker White becomes a stud and has an exceptional season, can we coin the moniker... Heismanberg just wanted to get it in early in case <laughs> some, so someone else beats me to it. Oh, Eagle. Wow, that's so many. That's like next level 3D chess right there. Do you do you get that whole reference there? I do. All right, that's a that's a Walker White sounding like Walter White who called himself Heisenberg, who is now Heismanberg. That's. Man, that it, it needs to happen just so we can say that. Little, I I worry about Walker White just because the memes are, are already people have already put him in the holster. So yeah. Um, next emails from uh, our friend Cato who says, "Hey fellas, question for you: When building the statues, do you put Bruce Pearl and Sunny Lee next to each other, or try to put them on the <laughs> other sides of the arena to separate the two sports?" He says, uh, fun statistic of the day, SUNY Lee got her ninth perfect 10 Friday night, her fourth of the year. Every other gymnast in Auburn history has combined for six. He says, thanks, Cato, the Auburn Arena Athletics fan. Wow. How many has she had? This she year? has nine. Every other gymnast in Auburn history has six. Total. That's that's well that sounds like five star recruits for Bruce compared to every other coach in Auburn history you know so it's, there's a lot going on right now it's like you know when when other things are down a little bit there's always somewhere you can turn to usually you know so that's great that's it. it's awesome she's awesome we're so lucky to have her just on the statue front I'm going to say Ruthie Bolton that's the statue we need oh yeah um, the Bolton sisters I, the Mayola gets forgotten sometimes but there were two Boltons true. Next question is from Bill Miner, who said the subject line is your favorite rivals. And he says, guys, I was watching the Super Bowl last night, and I was reminded that I always liked Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith, even though they went to that other school across the state, because mm. they truly seem like good people. Yeah. Are there any other players that may have played for non-Auburn teams and caused us grief that you admired or liked? Yeah, there have been a number over the years. Um, I'll go first and put one out here, and then while you're thinking, yeah. one player that, that tormented us and, and that I always respected that was Heinz Ward. Uh, yeah. Played for Georgia, and he played like five different positions against us oh, over did. the years. and He sure did. To, and killed us at every single one. And just a, a really tough, versatile guy uh, that you know, went on to have a, a successful NFL career, too. And that's rare because it seems like most of the big Georgia players turn out to be jerks, and I can't stand them. They're whiny babies and everything. Yes, but, uh, yes. but um Yeah, the first one that comes to my mind that we've seen a lot of lately is Deuce McAllister. You know, he was a mm-hmm. fearsome running back that scared us to death for th- three or four years at Ole Miss, um, the best thing they had for a while there. And he's such a good analyst, you know? 
I really enjoy hearing him talk about football as like the color analyst or the second guy, you know, on the on the on the mm-hmm. on the broadcast. I think he does a really good job, and he did from the very beginning. He came on like his very first game. And I'm like, wow, he's really good, because um, you know, t- too often, you know. Some of these guys are great athletes, but they're not always great public speakers. They just haven't grown up in an environment where they had to really polish that that part of their game, you know. But he is so smooth and and so uh, able to really kind of lay it all out. I, I've been very impressed with him in a very good way. Um, you know, another guy I really enjoy uh, on the air is uh, is because th- I'm, I'm thinking about do I like them now? But announcers are coming to mind just because I'm still thinking of them is old Pat Bradley from Arkansas. I really get a kick out of him on the uh, studio show on the on the basketball games. Mm-hmm. He's he's very entertaining. He's such a weird guy to have played at Arkansas cuz he's so Boston, you know. But uh but he knows his SEC and he's a he's a quirky uh addition to our conference and it it's good. It's not all the same thing, you know. And uh, by the way, I sure do enjoy Damian Fishback on there too. He's always so good. Um it's- it's tough for me to think about opposing basketball players that I like. I'm sure there are some, but so many of them were, yeah. you know, I just, it, I can't say that about a Kentucky player or a Florida player. No. Or an Alabama no, that, basketball player. Um, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. There have been coaches I really liked. Even, I mean, I love Steve Spurrier now. I couldn't stand him when he was coaching Florida, but as soon as he left yes. Florida, he became great. We just, you know, he's a, he's hilarious. So. Yeah, I'm sure there's a bunch of them, but I'd have to really sit down and think about it. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is colored by the fact that we um, rooted against them so hard for years. You know that when you think about them, that that kind of shades over into it a little bit. So it's harder to think of them. Yeah, that's a very good question, though. I, I want to hear what other people think about that. One. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. All right, and the last question is from Albert Elvis. Um, hmm? Something we didn't mention, but his question is. What is the over-under on how many attempts it would take you to make a 94-foot putt for a new car? Oh, yeah, we were going to talk about that. The guy hit the long putt for the car. I mean, the odds on that had to just be insane. And it also shows how flat that, how level they must have that basketball court. Yes. And again, a student, and they asked him afterward, he did not have a car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, think about it. If there's just one little warp in that floor... That ball's not going in. It rolled in a straight line from one end of that court to the other. That's just incredible. And, you know, they must have had some kind of an insurance policy. Usually when you do a contest like that, you take out an insurance policy. Well, they needed it because <laughs> there went that car. <laughs> Holy So God. how many attempts, how many shots do you think it would take before you made it? For me to make that? Mm-hmm. Um, 85,000. I was going to say over 100. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, you just have to keep doing it until you've exhausted every spot around it. And like I say, if there was the least bit of deviation in the floor, then even if you hit the perfect straight shot, it's going to get thrown off before it gets down there. It just amazes me that the ball, not only that he hit it on target, but that it didn't ever deviate. It's just but incredible. It, the big thing is if you did it a bunch of times, you could practice and get the force piece. Yeah. Yeah. The right amount, you know what I'm saying, and then, and, work and on, you, then just did you notice he barely even lined it up? He just went up there. The guy, the announcer's like, yes. "Oh, he's going to go ahead and do it." He just went up there and just whacked it. And that's the best thing. Don't overthink it. Just get oh, up there and do it. Let me tell you, I played a lot of golf <laughs> last summer and fall. Okay, I played a lot of golf. When I spent three or four minutes lining up a putt, I never came close. When I just got up there and whacked it, I made probably thirty percent of them. Mm-hmm versus zero percent when I tried. And I told Mira, you know, I'm like, I'm just gonna quit aiming because I do much better when I don't think about it. I overthink it immediately when I start thinking about yes, it. That's right. Just gonna whack it. Let it fly. Grip it and rip it. All right. That's the last of the questions. We want to take a that's quick an- another good set of listener questions. It always you. is, always is. Let's hop in the car. Take a quick trip. Let's take a trip around the SEC. I don't know that I have a whole lot going on other than the basketball stuff we've talked about. And I guess baseball is getting ready to start. And I think softball is doing really well. They are. They're off uh, off and running. Soft, softball and baseball got fired up last weekend. So we'll have that this spring. Absolutely. Um, so plenty of things going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
No, I don't have a real around the SEC either. I was trying to think if there was something else going on, but. Saban said something about NIL or something that was a splash, I think, a couple of days ago, but I didn't get the gist of it. And then, um, yeah, not a whole lot of other stuff really going on right now. We're just in the tail end of the basketball season, and we just really got to find a way to pull out some games in the next few days. We just absolutely have to. Got to have some wins. We've got to have some wins, yeah. Well, we can kind of end where we began a little over an hour ago then and say we've just got to find a way to win some basketball games. And if we can, and if we can get in the SEC tournament, and I mean, you know, honestly, it's not always great to start on the last possible day to start in the SEC tournament. We always want to get those buys to like the quarterfinal or semifinal or whatever, but there are worse things than starting a little bit earlier and getting a winnable game in the first round or the second round or wherever you start. You know what I mean? I mean, there's there's value in winning an SEC tournament basketball game if you don't get every buy you could possibly get. I'd rather have the buys. Yeah, I, I know, but <laughs> if you lose the if you lose the only game you play in the SEC tournament, then you know what I mean? It's like, did that really help you get in the NCAA tournament? I don't know. If we win these games that we need to win over the next week, we'll be fine. Yeah. That's the big thing. My concern level is is, per, is low. I'm going to be well, honest. I think, we'll, I think we're fine. I don't know what's going to happen the next week. but Someone knows. God knows. And if we get it done. God bless it! And if not, I'll just say. So be it. There you go. All right. Uh, I think our time is up. We thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. War Eagle, man. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at AU Wishbone and at facebook.com slash AU Wishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone podcast.